This morning, we are going to again continue on the battleground series. Now, when you look at the Old Testament scenario, it was a common thing in the Old Testament for the children of Israel to face their enemies. They were facing their enemies in, the, in many different battlegrounds in the Old Testament. And God prepared the children of Israel as a mighty army. They were not just people, but they were army of God. Amen? They were armies of God. So God was preparing children of Israel as armies. And God, in fact, raised many warriors and leaders such as Moses, Joshua, David, and King Jehoshaphat, Nehemiah, Esther, and many other names we can mention from the word of God in the Old Testament. They were raised as mighty leaders of war. They were not just ordinary preachers. I want you to think about it. They were not just ordinary miracle workers, but they were also warriors. They knew, they knew how to kill, how to destroy, how to take off the head, how to chop the hands. They knew everything, how to advance, how to you know, withdraw, how, you know, all the tactics of, a, of the battle. They knew very well. God trained them that way. For a reason. And there were enemies for the children of God. And they were opposing. And they were, you know, suppressing them. They were destroying. And they were overpowering the children of God. In, in, in fact, you know, they were taking women and women as captive. And God had to raise the army to fight against this wicked people. Those who were working against the children of God. Even today we do see these kind of enemies racing against Christianity. In different parts of the globe. You know, they, 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 they don't really care about, you know, setting fire to churches. They don't really care about, you know, torturing Christians. There is so much is going on. In fact, last year and this year put together, these years are declared as the most, you know, the most persecution that is seen across the globe. Is, we are living in such a time. There are many forces that are raising against Christianity. We do certainly have enemies. We do certainly have enemies. And even, you know, now, even in our everyday, day-to-day -day life, we are um, affected, the enemy is working in our lives to put us down physically, to put us down emotionally. And, you know, there are various health-related issues, relationship-related issues, and there are spiritual issues, enemies trying, through which enemies trying to put us down in our day-to-day -day life. God is inviting us this morning. To learn the strategies of warfare. Learn the strategies of spiritual warfare from the Old Testament battles. And before we go there this morning, shall we all stand for a moment to declare our statement of war. The declaration of war. You know, this is important because if we are not prepared, we will not be able to listen. And if you are not prepared, if you are not listening, we don't know how to deploy this warfare as we face those challenges in our lives. So this is important what we do right now. Shall we start now? The declaration of war. We declare that we are in war with the kingdom of darkness. Our war is not a physical war as we don't fight against flesh and blood. We will not give up. We will not compromise. We will not lose our focus. We will fight and gain victory. We are more than conquerors. We will make damage to the kingdom of darkness. We don't fight on our own strength. Go ahead. Hmm. 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 In Jesus' name, we declare, we affirm, and we engage ourselves in war. Amen. Please be seated. So today, we are going to get into another battleground called the battleground of Baraka. Can you say that? The battleground of Baraka. An attack of the enemy that brought great fear among the children of Judah 
and among the king of Judah by name Jehoshaphat. Can you say Jehoshaphat? That was a severe attack that came upon the land of Judah. We read that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. You know, if you want to turn your Bible, we'll be obviously reading a couple of scriptures. I encourage you to take your Bible or your phone, cell phone, and just go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And you can just, you know, play, keep a placeholder there. We will be referring to the word of God then and there. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to read, in fact, a couple of verses before we, uh, you know, try to understand the scenario of the battle. So we are reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon, and others with them besides, the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hezazan, Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, so Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Let's read verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. So here we read, people of God were so afraid, so fearful when the enemy, the Ammonite and the Moabites came against King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. That's what we read just now. Now, if you really look into this chapter, you know, the way this chapter starts, well, again, let's go back to verse 1. It happened after this. So the obvious question for any student of the word of God is when Bible says, after this, what do you ask? Yes, what was before? After what? That was the question. I was asking that question. What was that? And I found the answer. When after this, after what? After the death of the wicked king Ahab. Some of us know about him, right? Wicked king Ahab died. And after the king Jehoshaphat, he was already ruling Judah, the southern kingdom. So after the Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat brought reformation to restructure the leadership in the, in, the, in the country of Judah, in the land of Judah. And the Bible says he appointed judges. He appointed Levites and people to judge and rule the nation. And he was bringing great reformation or restructuring that was happening in the land of Judah. And after he appointed, he appointed a couple of leaders in the land. He appointed, Bible says, Amariah as a chief priest. And Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, as a ruler of the house of God. I'm answering what was after that. And Judah, uh, house of Judah, and the Levites and the other officials were appointed to rule the nation in the fear of God. Can you say in the fear of God? You know, that was important, Jehoshaphat. Supposed to be a good king. There are both wicked kings and good kings in the, in, the, in, a, in, in the nation of Israel. And Jehoshaphat was supposed to be a good king. And he brought such leaders and godly men and women. And he appointed them all through the nation of Judah to rule over them and to take care of them and to lead them in the fear of God. Was it a good thing? Yes? Are we sure? It was a good thing that he wanted the nation to be led under fear of God. That was a good thing. Now, and let's come back. Now the chapter begins here. After that, when he appointed people, rulership, leadership in that nation. After that, who are all coming? Who are the enemies now? It's very important to identify who are the enemies. Now verse 1 says, who are the enemies? Verse 1, let's read again. It's a point. It happened after that. The people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others. Them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So Bible says Moabites, Ammonites, and all the auxiliaries, you know, all of those, they joined together and they came against Judah, the kingdom of Judah, against Jehoshaphat. Now we need to understand who are these Moabites, Ammonites. It's very interesting to read the scripture. 
We need to get back really to Genesis chapter 19, verses 30 to 38. We will not go there, but I will tell you what, who are these people. We are talking about whom this morning? Moabites and Ammonites. And who are these people? That's what we are trying to find out. If we go to Genesis chapter 19, verses 30 to 38, you remember God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember the story? And Lot was there. Lot was escaping along with his wife and two daughters. Do you remember? Or I need to go there really. Have you heard about Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah? Any of you have not heard about Sodom and Gomorrah? Can I see your hands? Okay, everybody heard about Sodom and Gomorrah. So we'll not go there. So Sodom and Gomorrah was kept under fire. And God warned. Abraham warned. And Lot is taking his wife. And both the children, both the daughters... Because the daughter's husbands, they were not come, willing to come. They were just mocking at Lot. And they were just left there. And Lot and his wife and both the, both the ladies, both the daughters, they were escaping. Now during the escape, what happened to Lot's wife? She turned back to see what's going on there. And what happened to her? She became a pillar of? Are you sure? Okay, so she became a pillar of salt. And who are left out now? Lot and two daughters. And Lot and two daughters, they went to the mountains and they dwelt in the caves of the mountains. And Lot's daughters, they could not find any man there. And those two joined together and they, they came to an understanding, we will give a lot of wine to Lot. And the first day, the first daughter, you go and lay with your father. And second day, I will go and lay with my father. Because we, don't, we can't find men. And we don't want the lineage to stop. We want to continue the generation. So they did that. And Bible says both became pregnant. Lord's daughter. Daughters. And the elder daughter bore a son and called him Moab. And he is the father of who? The Moabites. And the later one, the younger daughter, he bore a, she bore a son and called him Ben-Amin. And he is the father of the Ammonites. So both these generations were born out of what is called as incest. Wrong relationship within the family, between daughters and father. These two generations came out of such a wrong relationship and they are now racing against the people of God. You know, the history repeats. Anything that comes out of wrong relationship, we see that generation is struggling and they are obviously working against the people of God. Now, both these generations are racing against King Jehoshaphat and the nation of Judah. Now, where ex these are their enemies. And where exactly the battle is taking place? This is again interesting. You know, if you can read verse 20, we may not go there right away. Verse 20 says, So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Where the battle is happening? In verse 20 we read, They went to the wilderness of Tekoa. And if you read, come to verse 26, Bible says, Valley of Tekoa is renamed now. You need to very follow with me very closely this morning. This is not easy. They renamed the Valley of Tekoa to the Valley of Baraka, which means the Valley of Praise and Valley of Blessing. Can you say Valley of Praise? Valley of Blessings. That's the only valley in which Jehoshaphat was historically involved in a battle as we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 26. And that valley was eventually named as the valley of Baraka. Now if you come to Joel chapter 3 verses 2 and 12 and 14, follow with me carefully. Joel mentioned the story that took place in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Joel talks about what really was happening in the valley of Baraka. And he again renamed the valley of Baraka as the valley of Jehoshaphat. There was only one war, war that took place in that valley of Baraka. And that's where Jehoshaphat was involved in that battle. Now Joel talks about that, that particular war. And he renamed that valley of Baraka as valley of Jehoshaphat. 
If you can read with me Joel chapter 3 verse 2. I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them. There on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, they have also divided up my land. We'll come to that in a moment. He Joel is talking about something which is happening or which is yet to come because he's a prophet. It's a prophetical book. Chronicles was a historical book. Now we are moving to a prophetical book to find out what really happened. And everything that took place in the Old Testament are the foreshadow of the things which are yet to come. Any Bible student, you should know that. And now we are trying to understand, trying to reflect on what was happening in the battle of Jehoshaphat in the valley of Tekoa or in the valley of Barakah. Now we are trying to understand in the prophetical point of view what Joel is talking about. Many Jews today are trying to return to their nation. They are already returning to their nation. And if you remember their homeland has become a constant source of contention among three religions, the Jewish, the Christians, and the Muslims. Constantly. And you know Jerusalem is considered as a holy city by three major religions. That's where the fight is all about. And that becomes the source of conflict today. And in the daily newspaper, we read many things that are happening, the afflictions that are happening, that's continuing the bloodshed and the suicide bombing and the violence that are happening and continuing in Israel. Now it is here in Joel chapter 3 verse 2. We find the connection. Now listen to me. We talked about the valley of Barakah. We talked about the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now here we in this chapter, if you read the full chapter, we will find the connection to a future war that is yet to come that is called the battle of Armageddon. Amen. We read that in Revelation chapter 16 verse 16, Bible talks about the battle of Armageddon. Now both the instances, there is a valley that is referred. The valley of Jehoshaphat. So the valley that appears in where the battle of Armageddon is going to take place is mentioned in Revelation chapter 16, verse 16. If we can go there, Revelation 16, 16. Bible says, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Things which are yet to come, you know, stage by stage, God is revealing to his children. What really took place in the Old Testament, prophetically spoken by Joel, which is yet to come, and it is still coming, it is still happening. So what is happening in this story of Jehoshaphat, you know, in our current context, what we are trying to learn today, this morning, is very important in the sight of God. Because this is things which are yet to take place. The last battle of human history. That is going to take place in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Amen? And here is the connection now. The valley of Tekoa. If you can get that on the screen. The valley of Tekoa as 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 20 talks about. It's nothing but the valley of Baraka. The same book. Once they gain the victory, they are going to talk about the valley of Baraka. That is the valley of praise and valley of blessings. Amen. Now, Joel is referring that as a valley of Jehoshaphat. And eventually, Revelation chapter 6 talks about the battle of Armageddon. You know, that is the connection. So we understood where the battle is taking place. Amen. Are you with me this morning? I know it's a little too much, but just bear with me. Just follow with me. Amen. If you want to just get up and shake yourself, please do it now. Now, right now. Right before someone falls into sleep this morning. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Let's move further. Are you with me to go further forward? Yes. Okay. Who is Jehoshaphat now? We talk about, talked about who are the warriors or who are the enemies. We talked about where the battle is happening. And now we are going to find out who is Jehoshaphat. I will give you an idea because it's all story. You must be knowing already because you know Bible too much, very too much. Now, after the death of Solomon, what happened? Kingdom got split into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. Yes. Southern kingdom of called kingdom of Judah and in the northern kingdom was called the kingdom of Israel. So kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. So now we are talking about the southern kingdom. Now Judah consists of two tribes. If I remember, any of you remember? I'm not going to give you a price, but anyway. But if you remember, Judah consists of two tribes. Benjamin? Obviously, Judah. Right? Judah and Benjamin, let's give a clap to Debbie. 
Awesome. Now, King Ezra was the king of Judah. And he ruled the kingdom for 41 long years. Mighty king. 41 long years. He ruled it. His son, King Ezra's son, was Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat ruled the kingdom, the nation, a couple of years, maybe around 24 years, from 873 BC to 848 BC. He ruled the kingdom of Judah, 25, 26 years. Now, overall, if you read the Bible, Jehoshaphat was a godly king, was a man of God. He did great things when he was ruling the nation. He made, he, he followed the examples of King David. And he made the nation as a godly nation. And he established covenants across the nation so that everybody will obey the commandments of the Lord. He removed all the pagan altars from the land. You know how good it will be if all the pagan altars are broken down. If every god, so-called gods and goddesses are removed from the face of this earth. If only our God, our Lord God is ruling the whole nation. How good it will be. Jehoshaphat made the land in that fashion. He was such a mighty king. And you know what? He brought in religious education. He realized the need for education. He realized the need for people reading and learning the word of God in the schools. Can you imagine that happening in Canada? Can you imagine that happening in the United States of America, in our nation? Talking about studying about the word of God in the schools. Morning, early morning when you go to school, take Psalm 91 and read Psalm 91. How good it will be. Jehoshaphat did that in his lifetime. He did great things. Because he was a man of God. <coughs> Later, you know what he did? He appointed, as we read, as we talked about, he appointed judges over the cities to ensure justice is happening across the land. You know, justice is very important in any nation. Some of our nations are struggling because there is no justice. Justice is very important. If that is taken out of the nation, from the, from the confederation, you know, nation will suffer, citizens will suffer, people will suffer. Jehoshaphat made sure, made sure that justice is prevailing in the nation. He also made many military victories because he knew how to depend on God. He knew how to turn God's face towards him. And he, would, he did that many times by fasting and prayer. He turned the face of God towards him, towards his favor. He gained many military victories. He gained victory over the Moabites. He gained victory over the Ammonites. He gained victory over the Mayunites. So people in Judah, they were all living a very happy life. Because of the great king. Amen. The leadership of the nation is very important. If the leader is godly, people have no issues with that. People know the nation is secured because there is a godly man or woman who is ruling the nation. Jehoshaphat was such a great leader. And God heard, really listened to the prayer of King Jehoshaphat. And God escaped out. God helped Judah to escape from all their enemies. And God blessed Jehoshaphat with many riches. Now, we talked about many good things about Jehoshaphat. In spite of the many good virtues and the great achievements of Jehoshaphat, he also did few mistakes in his life. Amen? He was a human being. He was taken away some point of time in his life. There are two things I can highlight this morning before we go further. First, he formed an alliance with King Ahab. And Ahab was a wicked king. Ahab was a wicked king. So he made an alliance with Ahab by allowing his son Jehoram to marry Ahab's daughter Athaliah. You remember who is Ahab's wife? Yeah. Now Ahab's daughter is married to King Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram. Can you believe that? It's important whom we marry. Secondly, he did something bad at the end of his life. He made another alliance, partnership, in fact, business partnership with Ahab's son, Agaziah, to build ships, shipbuilding. He started a shipbuilding project. Who? Jehoshaphat, with Ahab's another son by name Agaziah, and they started building many ships. And the Bible says God destroyed all the ships. God destroyed all the ships. 
Jehoshaphat was ruling the nation of Judah in this situation. The people of Ammon, the people of Moab, and the Mount Seir, they came against the kingdom of Judah. That's what we read in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Now, what is our objective this morning? To find out what are the strategies. Let's go there quickly. Verses 2 and 4. Let's read verses 2 through 4. We, we read that already. Let's move further. Now, when Jehoshaphat heard, heard that multitudes are coming against him, you know, there are many things they were afraid of. They were afraid of, you know, probably the enemies are going to come and going to take away the children and the women as captives. They are going to plunder the nation. They are going to set fire over the nation. There are many things they were afraid of. You know, enemies, they come in that way. You know, this morning I want you to think about the struggles that we are dealing with this morning. It's not because, you know, we are, we are getting into it. It's not that, but it is because the enemy is always working against us to throw things at our lives. Amen. And I want you to be careful this morning. Listen to me. You know, we are afraid of our health condition at times. We are afraid of the, you know, there are many uncertainties in our lives, <coughs> our job situation, our status. You know, there are many things that we are afraid of. And this morning, the enemy is very clever in throwing the fear in our lives. You know, many times instead of having fear of God, we have the fear of? Fear of the? Fear of the? Man, yes, we have the fear of man. Not only fear of man, fear of the devil too. Instead of having fear of God, we are so afraid of devil. We don't say an amen to this. In the most of the time, fear comes in our lives. Fear grips our lives because of the uncertainties. There are many things we do not know <coughs> which are kept in the future. There are many things we do not know. And when we think about those things in our lives, obviously, automatically fear comes in our lives. We don't have any clue what is going to happen in my life. We don't know which direction I will turn. Then fear comes in our lives. Jehoshaphat. Fear gripped him. And he was not sure what to do. And Bible says, he decided to seek the Lord. <coughs> Can you say that with me? He decided to seek the Lord. He decided to, thank you. He decided to seek the Lord. You know, when fear comes in our lives, what we need to do? We need to... Seek the Lord. It is better to seek the Lord. Amen? Amen. It is better to seek the Lord. When King Agasuerus, he made a decree across the nation saying that all the Jews are going to be killed. Do you remember the story? And who came up? Esther. Esther came up. And she declared fasting and prayer across the nation. You know, when enemy is coming against us, what we need to do? We need to seek the Lord. You remember Nehemiah when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem are, walls of Jerusalem is brought down. You remember what he did? He fasted and he mourned and he prayed to God. You know, when we are gripped with the fear of the enemy, the best thing to do is to seek the face of God. Strategy number one. <coughs> Strategy number one. Seek God when you are afraid. Amen. Jehoshaphat. He decided to seek God because he was afraid. He was afraid of the enemy that is coming upon his life over his land. And he decided to seek God. Let's move further. We are going to read from verse 5 to 13. Jehoshaphat made a very beautiful prayer there. Very beautiful prayer. I want you to read that along with me. Such a great prayer that ever anyone could make. He made such a great prayer. Now here we see the prayer of Jehoshaphat. You know, this is what he prayed. When he prayed to God, this is what he said. You are such an awesome God. You are such an awesome God. Are you not God in heaven? He's asking God, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of this nation? Is there not power and might in your hand? Are you not our God? Lord, where are you, God? Are you not my God? You know, that's the kind of prayer he's making to God. If disaster comes upon us, if sword comes upon us, if judgment comes upon us, if pestilence comes upon us, where do we go? We go and seek our God. And when we go and seek our God, God answers. 
Lord, now the Moabites and the Ammonites are coming against us. Where can we go, Lord? You did not allow them in the land of Egyptian Egypt when we were living there. But now they are coming against us, Lord. Where can we go? Our eyes are fixed on you. Our eyes are fixed on you. You know, God's heart moves when a man realizes his inability and comes to God and surrenders him to him and tells Lord, where can I go? Where can I go? You know, until that point of time, God follows us very closely. And the psalmist says, Lord, your hand is so heavy upon me. Your hand is so heavy upon me. Even if I ascend, even if I descend, your hand is always upon me. You know, God puts his hand upon us in such a way that he confines us to a particular point of time where we totally surrender to God. Amen. Are you with me this morning? When we surrender to God totally, and that's where we see the miracle of God. Verse 13. <clears throat> now all the Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Can you read that again? Now all the Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Who all came for the fasting prayer? All Judah? Their wives? They did not send their wives to fasting prayer. Are you with me? They did not send with they put their children at home. Come on, let's go to fasting prayer and give the tablets in their hands and give the iPhone in their hands. Done. Did they do that? They did not do that. They brought their children. Where? The children will be okay if we leave them at home. They'll be very happy. They'll just look for the time for the fasting prayer. Why? They can be at home. They can be at home. But Bible says, you remember Joshua what he said? Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, serving God is not an individual thing. Serving God is a family thing. Can you say that with me? Serving God is not an individual thing. Serving God is a family thing. If your spouse is not serving God, if your children are not serving God, you need to be on your knees and cry out to God like Jehoshaphat and tell Lord, I am helpless. I am helpless. Acts 16.31 Paul and Silas, sorry, Acts 16.31, Bible says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, and with your household. Amen. This is a promise that God has given to us. This is a promise that God has given to us. We need to serve God, not just alone. We need to serve God with all our families. Here, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 13, Now all Judah and their kings, sorry, and their little ones, and their wives, and their children, they all came for the fasting prayer and they stood before the Lord. Strategy number two, seek God with all your household. Can you say that with me? Seek God with all your household. You know, I remember for some reason, I remember Psalm 150 verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Obviously, everything that has breath includes everyone at our house. Our household. We need to praise the Lord. That is the desire of God. Let's move further. Verses 14 to 19. Word of God came towards them saying right now. We are in verse 15. Verse 14. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says, you know, the word of God comes. When they were in fasting and praying and seeking God's face, word of God comes and thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but the battle is God's. Amen. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Now, interesting. <coughs> Read verse 17. You will not see to fight, you will not need to fight in this battle. What we need to do, position yourself 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord is with you. Now that's the word of God came. Amen. When Jehoshaphat was in knees, along with the children of Judah, all their children and wife and in their household, when they came to the Lord, that was the word of God. That was the word of God. You know, this battle is something like the battle in the Red Sea. You remember what God spoke to Moses? God told him, do not be afraid. Stand still. The same words God is speaking to Jehoshaphat now. Do not be afraid. Stand still. You remember the other battles that we talked about? In the battle of Rephidim. You remember Joshua and his army. They were not standing still. They were slewing the Amalekites. You remember? The battle of Rephidim. And in the battle of Jericho, what happened? Children of Israel. They were going around the fort of Jericho. And the fort fell down. You remember the battleground of Ai? Are you with me this morning? I'm not able to shout, but just be with me. Follow me. Right? So uh, in the battleground of Ai, if you remember what happened when Achan was killed, what happened then? Joshua set the city on fire. He struck them down with the edge of the sword in the city of, in the battleground of Ai. In the battleground of Midianites camp, what happened? There were 300 men. They were blowing the trumpet and they were breaking the pitchers and they were shouting God sent confusion and their enemies were slewing each other. You remember? In the battle of Elah, what happened? David killed Goliath. In the battleground of Ziklag, what happened? David and his men, 400 men, they attacked the Amalekites. And they rescued and they carried away great plunder along with they rescued their wives and children in the battleground of Ziglag. You know, this morning, I want to share something with you that's very important. Each battleground is not the same. There are battlegrounds when God is asking the children of Israel to stand still. There are battlegrounds that God is asking the children of Israel to move forward against the enemy and to destroy the enemy. You know, today in our lives, every battle is not the same. Listen to me this morning. Many times Christians, we make mistakes. We believe us, we, mistake. we make mistakes. We think that, you know, at times we think that we need to just pray about it and leave it for God to do something, but not always. Listen to me, not always. There are times God wants us to fight the battle. There are times God wants us to stand still. There are sicknesses that God wants us to take medical help. Listen to me. There are sicknesses that medical, cannot, medical help cannot help really. There are sicknesses we need to sit at the feet of God and get delivered. Listen to me very carefully. There are family issues. God wants us to go and take the counsel of God through men and women of God who are godly. But there are family issues that we need to hand, hold hands and pray together and settle down. No two battles are the same in your life. There are health conditions. The underlying cause is medical condition. There are health conditions. The underlying cause is demonic. Listen to me carefully. God wants us to handle everything inappropriately. In, in, in no two battles are the, are the same in our lives. No two individual fights the same kind of battle. You know, sometimes we listen to a testimony. And we claim to God, if God, you have done that to him, you can do it to me. Obviously God can do it. But remember again, no two battles are the same. No two battles are the same. Now, what we need to do is we need to discern. How do we handle the situation? We need to have a discernment. We need to have a discernment. How do we handle? You know, if we don't do the battle in the right way, there are times we need to shout. There are times we need to be silent. We are learning that through different battlegrounds. Now, if we shout when we are supposed to be silent, we'll be doing it with our flesh. We will encounter tremendous loss. But if we keep silent when we are supposed to shout, we will easily get defeated by the enemy. The loss may, be, may not be recoverable. 
But God wants us to discern what type of battle that we are dealing with. God wants us to know whether it is caused by demon or it is caused by the medical condition. God wants us to know it is very important to discern which battleground we are in today. And Jehoshaphat realized the moment he heard from God, God wants him to be silent. He's not doing anything. Let's move further. Verse 20. So they rose early in the morning. Now they are getting ready to see what God is going to do. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Dekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Verse 21, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness, as they were out before the army, and were saying, Praise the Lord for his Mercy endures forever. Strategy number four. Listen to me. You may stand still, but let the worship continue. Can you say that with me? You may stand still, but let the worship continue. You may stop everything, but God is saying, never stop worshiping me. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Have you stopped worshiping God? Because of the situation that we are dealing with. Have we ever stopped worshipping God? Because we don't feel like worshipping God. Someone called me the other last week and told me. Pastor, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like doing anything for God. And that's the reason I'm not coming to church. Is it the right thing to do? No. You may stop everything but never stop worshiping God. Verse 22 says, Now they began to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Amen? God told them to just keep quiet. But nobody could stop the worship. They were not taking their sword, but they were giving praises to God. You know, worship enables the hand of God. Amen? Are you with me this morning? Worship moves God in favor of us. When we stand and worship God, you know, God likes that. God's face is turning upon you in favor of you. Worship makes God to raise against our situation. Worship destroys the powers of enemy. Worship breaks the powers of sickness. Amen? Power of darkness and power of all the kind of emotional struggles that we are dealing with is gone with worship. Worship is important. You may stop worrying, but never stop worship. Worship is a powerful weapon in the battleground against the enemy. Listen to me this morning. This is very important. When David worshipped, do you remember? The devil inside of Saul, the evil spirit inside of Saul came out. God wants you to worship him. When Paul and Silas, they worshipped, the chains broke. You know, we are talking about something true that is happening even today in the lives of people. But never stop worshipping. That's why worship is important. When Solomon worshipped, what happened? The temple of God was filled with the glory of God. Amen. Here, Jehoshaphat. Setting the people of God to worship God. When he worshipped, God sent ambushes against they started killing each other. There was a great confusion that descended upon the people. Worship is important. Listen to me. Take your instrument. Close the doors of your room. Start playing the instruments. And start worshiping God. The confusion will go. The sickness will leave. Amen. All the emotional struggles that we are dealing with will be gone. The bondages will be broken. Take your music instrument. That's why every one of you, if you're a believer, you know, you need to know one instrument at least. How to play. David took that instrument, harp, and he started playing it. Playing that instrument, the evil spirit that was inside of the devil came out. Listen to me. This is what is worship. I put a definition this morning as God gave to me then. Worship is not just singing. And dancing. Can you read that with me, all of you? Worship is not just singing and dancing. Worship is not electrifying the atmosphere with laser beams, smoke missions, and seducing drum beats. Worship is the inner 
attitude of surrender and humility with outward physical expression. If you want to read that again, just go ahead and read it. Worship is not just singing and dancing. Worship is not electrifying the atmosphere with laser beams, smoke machines, and seducing drum beats. Worship is the inner attitude of surrender and humility with outward physical expression. I wanted to look at the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for worship is shaka. Shaka means to bow down, to prostrate oneself, and to lay flat on the ground. Listen to me this morning. Worship comes with an outward expression. Sometimes we think that why do we clap hands? Why do we fall down? Why somebody sits? You know, worship, the basic, the core definition, the root definition of the word worship, shaka, that means bow down to prostrate oneself and to lay down at the feet. The Greek word for worship, the Greek word for worship, as it is used in the New Testament, is prokino. Prokinua. What is it, Debbie? Proskino, okay, something closer. I'm very, I was very close, okay. So proskino, that means, listen to this, kiss the hand of God. Worship is nothing but kissing the hand of God. To fall on the knees before God or to prostrate oneself. That is what is worship. Inside, inward attitude comes with an expression. That is what is worship. And worship doesn't stop. Worship continues. Can you turn with me quickly to Revelation chapter 4? I want to tell you that worship is going to continue. Worship is not going to stop. You know, this morning I'm excited because I'm going to, I'm made to worship forever and ever. Revelation chapter 4 verses 8 through 11. Then the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around them. And they do not rest day or night saying, what do they say? Can you read that with me? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanksgiving to him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast, cast down all their golden, golden crowns before the throne saying you are worthy O Lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created worship is going to continue now the actual battle is happening in 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 verses 22 and 24 children of God now they saw the camp of the enemy you know normally in any battle when you go to the battleground we face live people yes live army now Jehoshaphat and these men were in the battleground of the valley of Jehoshaphat what they are finding they are finding all dead people and that's our God that's our God you know he will make the situation nothing Nothing is going to harm you. Nothing is going to touch you. But all that we need to do is we should be able to worship the Lord. And verses 25 to 30, they are collecting. They are asked to collect all the spoils. Amen. They looked at the valley. And when they looked at the valley, they found all the people were dead there. Just they are lying there dead. And what is happening in verse 25? Verse 25, if you can read with me. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on their dead bodies. And precious jewelry, which they stripped off from themselves. More than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoils because there were so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. For there they blessed the name of the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the valley of Barakah. Until now, the valley of praise and the valley of blessing. It is true that the enemy is coming against us. It is true that the enemy is trying to destroy us. It is true that we are afraid, we are fearful at times because of the enemy. But when God gives us victory, he's going to really bless us. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Strategy number five. Gather the spoil once the enemy is destroyed. You know, many times we don't look for the spoil. Many times we don't look for the blessing. We think that God has delivered us and we will move forward. But God is telling us, you need to plunder. We need to collect all the valuables. We need to collect all the valuables this morning. We are going to pray in a moment. 
God not only delivers us out of the situation, he also makes us wealthy. You know, God wants us to believe that. Proverbs 13, 22, if you can note down the scripture and pray over the scripture, Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Can you read the second part of it? But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. If you believe this, you know, that's where the prosperity is. That's where the prosperity is. That's what we believe. That's what the people believe. You know, we call it as we may call it as a wealth transfer from the sinful world into the church of God. You know, today, why the church has to live in poverty? Because there is so much wealth around us, but we need to pray when that happens, there will be a transfer of wealth into the kingdom of God for the establishment of the kingdom of God. Amen. All the valuables, precious jewelry, gold and silver, they earned year after year. They collected year after year. They all got planted by Jehoshaphat and his army. And his army. Amen. Isaiah 60, 20. Prophet says, your sun shall no longer go down. Nor shall your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. And the days of your morning shall be Ended. You know, God wants to put a stop for those things that are the enemy is trying to do in our lives. Isaiah 65 and 6, 5 to 7. We read the scriptures and close. Isaiah 65 through 7. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with what? Joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. You know, God is telling us this morning, He's able to turn those wealth that are going somewhere else, and He's able to turn those wealth into your life and my life. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Shall we all stand for a moment this morning? The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. You know, that is the promise of God. Amen. And verse 6 says, The multitude of camels shall come, cover your land. The, the, the dormitories of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. And verse 7 says, all the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together to you. The rams of Neboiah shall minister to you. They shall ascend with acceptance of my altar and I will glory the house of my glory. Amen. I will glorify the house of my glory. You know, God has promised us when a battle gets over, look for the plunder. When the battle gets over in our lives, Look for the opportunity that where God is bringing, what God is bringing in our lives. Amen. This morning, God is telling us, God spoke to us a couple of things. Number one, see God when you are afraid. Amen. God wants us to seek after him. The moment we think that there is something wrong in our lives, God wants us to seek him. Seek God with all your household. Next slide, please. Seek God with all your household. And number third, strategy number third, three, God says, when you are in the battle, discern to shout are to keep silent and number four you may stand still you may stop doing everything but let the worship continue are you with, are you with me this morning do you agree let the worship continue do not stop worshiping god we'll strategy five gather the spoil once the enemy is destroyed amen i believe god has spoken to us this morning shall we close our eyes